Hello, Cinema Adventure listeners. I have a fun announcement. This week on Wednesday, Blake and I are going to be appearing on the podcast Home Plates during their special holiday episode. So head on over to Home Plates. You can find them on iTunes and Google Play, and you can listen to us on there. I'll also drop a link into the description of this episode you can click on to follow us to there as well. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Cinema Adventure, a movie podcast where every week we talk about a film. This week we're talking about the film Lady Bird, directed by Greta Gerwig. I'm your most confused teen host, Aiden Walker. And I'm Blake, your other host, and I don't want to think of a funny little title, so there you go. Wow, you're not going to play today? (laughs) I'm not. I'm so tired. Okay. So I actually, before we get into Lady Bird, I do have a very specific question for you because Uh, you are a resident Riverdale expert. Oh my God. You've been watching it, right? You're, are you caught up or are you, I don't know. I may be like one or two episodes behind. So I'm caught up enough, I guess. I don't watch Riverdale, but my lovely girlfriend texted me last night and she gave me the most cryptic, like six or seven word text. And Uh it said, did you know there's a drug in Riverdale that they call Jingle Jangle? Oh my God, I forgot about that. And I said, excuse <laughs> so me? Dumb. And she said, Jingle Jangle? <laughs> Please, can you, Blake, for, for me, can you explain to me or our listeners what the heck that means? I what d- is Jingle Jangle? I feel like they've maybe explained it in the episodes that I haven't seen, but as far as I know, it's kind of like, I think it's an, a hallucinogenic drug or something. I don't know why they have to call it that silly name. It also makes me mad because everyone on the show is constantly smoldering and looking as sexy as possible. And they'll say jingle jangle with a very straight face. And I just, I don't know. I feel like they could have picked a a less weird name, but yet again, Jughead's sister's name is Jellybean. So I don't know. I don't know the the minds of the creators of this show. I don't know what they're going for. Our, it's our, not campy at all. Like, our it's guess, very serious. Our guess was that Jingle Jangle was meth. That oh. was our guess. I, you know, I could see it based on the way it's having an effect on the individuals who consume it. Kind of some, some methy after effects. But I also, yet again, have never really seen how a meth addict acts. I've just seen pictures. You know, those great, like, before and after photos. So Yeah, they're really great. I love them. They're great. Oh, man. <laughs> so, Lady Bird. Yeah, Lady Bird. Greta Gerwig's theatrical film, which is wild. True. Tell me about it, Blake. Tell me about it. What do you want to know? Aiden? I want to know what you thought. I want to know what well, your impression of it, I, of it is. I love it so much. I think this has so far been one of my favorite movies of the year. It's also kind of not a surprise for me because I've consistently loved Greta Gerwig's work. This is her first sole directorial debut. She directed a movie with Joe Swanberg in 2008 called Nights and Weekends, which was, uh, I haven't seen it, but it sounds like just an unscripted indie movie about a relationship, whatever. And like since then, she's starred in a lot of really great movies. She's written a lot of great movies like Frances Ha, but she was also in Maggie's Plan, which was really good. But she's just consistently done really great work and has usually gone, she's been pretty overlooked, even though I've always thought like, when is she gonna have her moment i think this is finally her time to become a big star because she should be one this movie 
I don't I hope this isn't I'm sure this is a fun fact that I'm stealing right but this is <laughs> this is not. this movie has been the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes for the longest period of time since like Toy Story 2 or 3. Yeah. Well, it's not a fun fact you didn't steal it from me. Okay. Well, yeah. I think it's pretty fun. It's pretty astonishing that this movie it's, has done this well. It. It's yeah. great. Because it's not a conventional I mean, I don't want to be dramatic calling it a masterpiece this early, but I feel like when you think of these like really well-reviewed movies, it's so grandiose usually you're thinking of these gigantic movies and here is just this a story of a teenage girl coming of age and yet it is the best reviewed of all time it's great good for good for them since you saw it more recently than me i saw this a couple weeks ago you saw it like yesterday do you want to give just a brief summary to our listeners I will do my best okay. because a lot of things happen in this movie. A lot of things. This movie's very <laughs> jumpy. It goes all over the place in, in her life. Mm-hmm. So the main character, Saoirse Ronan, played yes. by Saoirse Ronan, her character's name is Christine, but she goes by Ladybird, which is a name that she gave herself because she's trying to be different, you know? Mm-hmm. It's all about her in her senior year of high school trying to get ready for college. So she, she doesn't have the best grades. Her goal is to go to some very nice school on the East Coast, but her family can't afford it. It looks like she's gonna get into Davis is where she's gonna go, which is not her dream. So she has her father fill out a bunch of the paperwork that she needs to have filled out in order to apply to the East Coast schools. And she goes behind her mom's back to do this. And that's kind of a, it seems like a minor plot point in near the beginning of the film, but it, it turns out that she gets into one of them later on. and. The movie culminates with her flying to the East Coast, and there's a funny scene with her once she arrives. <laughs> yeah, I'd say this is this is like a drama comedy, yeah, coming of age film. Yeah, just like yeah. a year in the life of this character it takes place from 2002 to 2003, kind of goes over her yeah her year of her senior year and going over her romances that she has. She has two love interests in the movie. One is played by Lucas Hedges from Manchester by the Sea, in another great performance, and Timothy Chalamet who is actually an Oscar contender this year. What people are saying is an Oscar contender for Call Me By Your Name. You have the romances, and then you have just her trying to figure things out. She's kind of switching social scenes a couple times in the movie. Just a portrait of a young woman coming of age, trying to figure things out. And, you know, isn't always likable in the process, but ultimately feels like a very plausible character. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a ton of characters in this movie, and there's a lot, of, a lot of times where they just kind of get glazed over. It seems like you don't spend a lot of time with many of them. I mean, it's not their movie, right? This is Lady Bird's movie. Yes. That's the title, so <laughs> it's all about her. But yeah, there's a ton of characters. There's her dad and her mom and her friend, played by Beanie Feldstein, Julie, and there's her adopted brother and her brother's girlfriend, and there's the cool kids. There's there's so many people. There's a, lot. there's a lot of people in this movie. And it's not hard to keep them all straight by any means, but you don't get a big sense of who a lot of them are. You just kind of get these glimpses. Yeah. And I think one of the strengths in this movie is that Greta Gerwig writes not secondary characters, but tertiary characters or even quaternary characters mm-hmm. really, really well and makes them so realistic that even if they're just doing something in the background, you go... I've seen this guy before. I've seen this person before in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of ridiculous how accurate some of them were. I went and saw this with a couple friends and we were sitting in the theater and we kind of had to look over each other and crack up at the one big party scene that happens. It's like the big party with all the cool kids that Lady Bird goes to. And there's just a guy in the background who's just kind of a baggy shirt wearing kind of dude. He's wearing a bucket hat and he's just fridge shopping. He's just got the refrigerator open, just staring into that thing like it's the abyss. And it's like, a long time the camera focuses and he's in the background just unmoving looking into this fridge and you're like 
yeah, that's real. I've seen that guy. That's a real dude out there. Mm-hmm. Life of the party. <laughs> yeah, no, Gerwig is such a perceptive writer. I mean, she's proven this in the past, obviously. But it's it's interesting because, it, I mean, it could be argued that maybe having so many characters that aren't super well-developed, like, it could be argued that, like, oh, they're shallowly written or she's not taking enough time. But because the movie's so well-written, it resembles real life in the way that it reminds you of, like, when you've had moments in your own life where it's been like, oh, it's been a long time since I've seen this person. And it, like, translates into the movie directly, like... The first part of the movie, you see a lot of her friend Julie, but then kind of midway through, Lady Bird is seduced by the popular crowd. And so you just don't see Julie for a really long time, and you might think, like, oh, Gerwig's just dropping her because she's, like, less interesting. But it's really just reflecting how in real life people can come in and out of your lives so easily. And because of that, it feels so much more plausible. It's different than a lot of teen movies in general because I think a lot stick to these friendships and really latch onto them and are kind of romanticized in their viewers, this one lives very strictly in the moment and you feel like you're almost experiencing high school all over again, which I really like about it. I think another strength of the movie is that the high schoolers look like high schoolers, man. I love that. They did it. They did it. Like, (laughs) if there's anything you can give this movie props for, it's that those kids, they look like kids. Well done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Saoirse Ronan is definitely... She's a little bit older than me. I think she's like a year older than me. So she's 20, I think she's 23, 24 maybe. She has this kind of childlike look to her. So she fits in pretty well. And I think the clothes that they put her in and the the colorful hair that they give her also adds to that. Oh, she looks so cool in this movie. Yeah. I love just like the badly dyed hair and like the the hipster clothes that like they seem like she just kind of threw them on, but she actually, you can tell she probably meticulously planned it. But yeah, I love her whole aesthetic too. And even just like her room, like you notice posters for bands like Sleater Kinney and Bikini Kill, just these little touches like that. And you know, from that, the hair, the clothes, you really get a sense of her and you feel like you've met these kinds of people before. You kind of have a sense of who she is pretty immediately just on how she presents herself and how she decorates her room. I like that this movie has a good representation of what the past looks like, but it doesn't try to beat you over the head with nostalgia. Yeah. At least I don't think it does. It might feel that way more if you are from where the movie takes place, Sacramento. You might look at some of the shots of the city, of the bridges, of whatever, when you're in transition, kind of the B-roll stuff, and go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Like, mm, like I used to live there. And you might kind of <laughs> soak it in and kind of, uh, I don't know, in kind of a weird way. But I didn't get the feeling that this movie tried to focus too hard on, like, this is the period of time and you should feel like this time was better or whatever. Yeah, no, it's so true, too. I think... I mean, obviously not every senior in high school is having this exact same experience, but it has that same lacking of glamour that so many people experience. Because I know, like, my senior year of high school is not, probably not eventful as this, but the movie does match the way that it just kind of unfolds very unpredictably, can be kind of messy sometimes, has its good patches, its bad patches, but it, it is very much like that. It doesn't, in a way, it doesn't even feel structured like a conventional movie it just feels so scattered in so much of what it does that it just you're just living in the moment along with ladybird i mean i know you said that the movie does focus on jumping in and out of somebody's life you know you have these characters who aren't around for very long and that's just kind of what being a teen is like because you go from one friend group to the next or whatever do you think that this movie would have benefited from a little bit more focus like do you think that 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 did try to cram too much it's not a long movie it's like an hour and a half right do you think it would have benefited from being a little bit longer from diving into a couple of the characters more? I don't think so, because I think this movie is so bent on just being like, this is going to start at the beginning of senior year, it's going to end when she's going to college. I feel like the amount that it focuses on her you know, relationship with Julie, you feel like you know it pretty well right off the bat that you get a sense of their background. And so 
I think because Greta Gerwig, she pretty three-dimensionally characterizes these individuals just in like the short scenes that you have with them. And so because of that, I feel like she doesn't have to spend additional time with them. I think just through your interactions, like that's totally enough. Yeah. I don't know if I completely agree with you. Like I can see, I mean, I think the characters are well-written and I think they have a lot of what you learn from the characters is from their body language or from the way that they talk or you kind of get a sense of what they've been through, what they're like. But at the same time, I feel like some characters aren't necessarily cast aside, but are used as a way to promote your idea of another character, you know? Like you have Lady Bird's adopted brother, Miguel, Miguel McPherson, her brother, and his girlfriend who also lives in the house. But they're not really around for the movie. They're just kind of there. They're almost like, most of their scenes are just kind of comedic. They have some kind of punchy line that they say, or they're the butt of a joke or whatever. But they almost exist to show you like, oh, but the the dad and the mom are these really nice people. Even though they may act in ways that are not super nice towards Lady Bird, they're nice people because they have this adopted person in their house and they have this girlfriend who isn't related to them, but who they let live with them. And it kind of seems like those characters are just there to show that the other characters are good, but they don't serve a very big purpose other than that. I didn't see it that way as much as, since this movie is so much from the perspective of Lady Bird, I just thought of it as she's not like extremely close with his brother or his girlfriend. And so the reason why we don't get to know them that well is because she herself doesn't know them that well. I think if she had a more intimate relationship with them, then certainly we'd get to know them better. But I think all the the characters match in how well she knows them. Like, you never really get a sense of, like, the popular crowd, but that's also because she doesn't really know them. She just kind of jumps in, and they're all really shallow for the most part. So they're not as well-developed as, like, say, Julie, because Lady Bird has a better relationship with her. So I think it all lines up really well with how she perceives people. So I never really thought of people being cast aside as much as, like, this is how important they are to her in these moments, really. The whole scene with her and Julie when they're lying on the ground with their feet on the on the lockers and they're eating the communion crackers mm-hmm. and they're just joking <laughs> around is 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 great. And there's like the straight edge girl who comes in and like busts the door out. She's like, You're not supposed to eat the communion crackers and they say something like, Oh, they haven't been blessed yet or something and then she just storms out angrily and they just laugh. Yeah. It's what good. I like too about their relationship is it is so close, but it reminds you of a lot of relationships you might have had in high school where your friends with people a lot of the time were out of circumstance and like you can tell that Lady Bird and Julie aren't super similar so like you feel like as each of them grow older they might not necessarily still be as close but in these moments they mean so much to each other and it captures that so well this idea that someone might be your best friend for a while but that might be subject to change and that's so evident throughout even though there never is like a total I mean like Lady Bird obviously shifts her perspective and like wants to hang out with the popular kids but there is never like a total falling out so it would be interesting to see those characters how they would end up in the future after college and stuff Julie's kind of like the straight man to to Lady Bird in their relationship like Lady Bird's the eccentric like weird one who you know all the jokes kind of come off of her and then Julie's like the the soundboard for like maybe that's not so good right? she kind of <laughs> seems like that kind of character but I like how they don't take her and make her into just that like they don't make her into like oh yes i'm just the morally high grounded person here (laughs) like the scene where lady bird and all of her friends like happen to get a joint and they just like all smoke one night and just kind of get high and there's like the the weed montage that they have yeah julie's right along with them and there's not a scene of her going like i don't 
know, guys. Yeah. I don't know if I can smoke the marijuana yet. <laughs> it's like they all smoke together. And there's that great scene where they all go back into uh, Lady Bird's house and they're in the kitchen. And there's that cut where the camera's inside of the microwave and you can see all their faces peering into it just <laughs> transfixed by the, the light that's coming out of it. And then mm. Lady Bird's mom comes in <laughs> and she's wonderful. Uh, Laurie Metcalf plays yeah. her and she's incredible in this movie. So um, she, she comes in and she's like, hey, everybody, you okay? And they're all just, they're all giggling. And they're like, mom, we can't talk right now. <laughs> I don't know why that's my like I'm high on weed voice but yeah it's like a weird like a Muppet thing going on <laughs> you're like on Sesame Street but I really I mean I love I love so many of these secondary characters I think Julie you feel like you understand her so immediately because you get the sense that you know she isn't super comfortable with her body and she doesn't feel like she still kind of doesn't really know who she is and so you can tell that you can see so much potential in her she's really smart in her classes she's really well liked by a lot of her peers She's not confident in so much of what she does that she doesn't realize that. And so you're kind of seeing her, you almost want to jump in the movie and like tell her that like, you're, you're great. You, you know, have a lot going for you. Like you're doing everything totally right. Like she doesn't see that for herself, but that's definitely common with so many high schoolers in general. People still not completely aware of their capabilities. You know, she'll probably realize them later, but at this moment being in this high school setting, she's still very unsure of herself. I even love they had that little touch where she has the crush on her, is it her math, math teacher, teacher, the English teacher? Mm-hmm. I thought that was really funny because even then, like, she just, it's very silly, but it's also touching as well to see that. The interactions with the adults and the teens seem pretty realistic. They're so the realistic. Part, especially the interactions between Lady Bird and the nun, Sister <laughs> Sister Sarah, mm-hmm. who's played by Lois Smith, who is so funny in this movie. Lady Bird and one of the cool girls pull a prank where they decorate the nun's car with all these streamers and they write in soap on the back just married to Jesus <laughs> right and then she gets pulled into the office of the nun and the nun's like you know I've been married to Jesus for 40 years <laughs> <laughs> the dialogue in this movie is pretty choppy I, you know I, not choppy in like a bad way it's mm. it's like very um snappy it reminds me of a, a blend between kind of the smartness of like a Woody Allen movie's dialogue and kind of the the humor that's in every line or just kind of the absurdity in the humor of a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. You get that feeling? It's not quite as like, how do you say it? It's like, it's not as shticky as one of those. It doesn't mm. have like that, like kind of thing <laughs> wow. to it, but it's uh, it has its own <laughs> feel. It's got a distinct feel to it. I don't know if I necessarily thought of it as, because I feel like Woody Allen's dialogue, and Wes Anderson's dialogue too is very, it feels like dialogue. It doesn't feel like characters talking, whereas right. I feel like this dialogue feels really... there's a lot of laughs in this movie obviously but it all feels very it's funny in the ways that like life is funny where it's just these random bursts of humor that feel really realistic and I didn't feel like it was super stylized it just felt very true to real life I guess I never thought of it as being that stylized I I guess the one character who I could point to it to say this is the most stylized character is the caricature character who shows up um, who's played by Timothy Chalamet Kyle Scribble is his name he's the the bad boy (laughs) who smokes and he's like a conspiracy theorist who believes (laughs) that your phone is tracking you I mean that's true but um, he has a line where he's like yeah you know one day they're not going to be phones in your pocket anymore. The next step is they put them in your head. <laughs> that guy, he's ridiculous. Like the first line, you get, so... the first line you get out of him after he's been, after she meets him in the cafe, after she sees him in the parking lot, the first line he says is in response to somebody. He says, that's hella tight. <laughs> and then she like gets up on the car, the hood of the car and sticks next to him. And he says, Hey, you know, that's very baller of you. <laughs> it's total, it's total satire of this. I mean, this is the kind of dude that exists in real life, but to this to the, the extent that they push him to this kind of ridiculous level is 
not terribly realistic, but he is very funny. I that character is so to me so well written because you. I think it also has to do with the fact that Shalom is just really well cast, but you can you can feel like you can tell why he appeals to Ladybird so much. You can see this like bad boy thing, and like she thinks that maybe even though he's kind of silly, like maybe he's more mature because he is has this kind of edge, but he has like all these little things that he does in the movie that just like show that he's just a child still like like lady Bird like loses her virginity to him and he like is done after like seven seconds if like, like really short he does that he has all those silly like conspiracy theories he has you know as you mentioned the all the slings so he has all these little touches that are still like oh yeah he's just like an 18 year old but he has all these other attributes that you can see like oh this is why lady bird thinks that he's like this almost like a james dean type but that it is a good balance between the two perceptions. This movie doesn't try to really glamorize the the teen sex that's going on in it. Like a Stranger oh, Things, no. like in season two, right? You have the two characters whose names I can't remember. Will's older sister and um, not Will's older yeah, sister, whatever. Um, Mike's older sister and the the guy. He's like, it's not Steve. It's the guy. Oh, who's it's like the, Nancy and I don't know his name. Anyway, he, he drives a car and he takes pictures real good. No. They have this whole scene where they go to a conspiracy theorist's house and then they have this, like, it's not shown, but, like, they have this, like, very intense wind-up to a sex scene that isn't shown, but it's, like, it's really intense and, like, mm. pretty glamorized. And this one, Lady Bird gets a nosebleed, like, in the middle <laughs> in the middle of their session. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just these unexpected kind of real-life things that get in the way of, yeah. of the, the movie that's going on, right? It's still stylized, but then these kind of moments of levity happen and you go oh man this that could totally happen to somebody who gets nosebleeds like what yeah and the fact that Gerwig can convey it so realistically is so impressive because if the movie had more false notes these kinds of things would seem contrived or just like attempts to seem realistic but the way they are placed in the movie the way they're acted and written um they don't have that sort of phoniness it just the whole movie plays out like that to me it's just this that's a total slice of life all these unpredictabilities all these imperfections that they feel like they could happen to you honestly Okay. Yeah. Well, Blake, I think it's time for you to hit me with some fun facts. Oh, okay. So, I'm not going to say her name right. No, it's Saoirse, right? Saoirse. Saoirse. Okay. Yeah. So she and Greta Gerwig, they first met at the Toronto Film Festival in 2015. Saoirse was promoting Brooklyn, and then Gerwig was promoting Maggie's Plan. And I guess, like, before the actual festival, Saoirse had read the script for Lady Bird and really liked it, but Gerwig was not totally sure about casting. But I guess they later had, they, like, discussed the script, like, for a really long time in Saoirse's hotel room, and, like... After she read the part aloud, Gerwig knew right away that she wanted her for the lead. Didn't even cast her, just like, her to read it was like, this is it, she's Lady Bird. Which is interesting because, I mean, if you see Saoirse Ronan in real life, she's a lot more elegant than Lady Bird is. She has a very, very thick Irish accent. And so I think immediately you don't think of her as this awkward American teenage girl, but, I mean, she fits perfectly. Um Another thing is, is Lady Bird applies to Columbia University in the movie and learns that she wasn't accepted, um, but that's kind of like a tie-in to the fact that Chalamet, um, he plays Kyle, he went to Columbia in real life, but he only went for like a year, and then he realized he wanted to pursue acting instead, so there's that connection. Um, This is also the second movie uh, in which Saoirse plays a character who wants to use a name that's not their own. She was previously in this movie called How I Live Now. She wants to go by Daisy instead of Elizabeth. 
So there's that little fun. There's a lot of tie-ins. I feel like all my fun facts are just weird parallels. Like the fact that Saoirse and Lucas Hedges were also both in the Grand Budapest Hotel. And then there's another Wes Anderson tie-in because Gerwig in real life is dating the filmmaker Noah Baumbach, who co-wrote The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou and The Fantastic Mr. Fox. So there's that fun little connection there. So Gerwig, I don't know if you've seen them at all. They're online, I think, on a couple websites. Um, but she sent personalized emails to Justin Timberlake and Dave Matthews and Alanis Morissette to get their permission to use some of their songs in the movie. Um, and I think for viewers who, um, you know, really like this movie, you should definitely check those out. They're very entertaining. She doesn't try to have a professional tone at all. She just, like, goes into detail about how much they mean to her and is very humorous about it. So those are a fun little thing to look at. I'll find that and I'll put it in our secret link at the Great. bottom of the episode description. Yeah, no, they're terrific. They made me laugh out loud. <laughs> But Gerwig is very funny, so it's not surprising. Did you did you get all the facts? Was that all your fun Those facts? Those are all my facts. They were very disappointing. I'm sorry. Thank you for the fun facts. There's not Wonderful. a lot because they're it's like a newer movie, so I feel like they you got you got to give it a little time. Years go on. Got to let the but... movie breathe a little bit, and then the fun <laughs> facts will slip out. Yeah. So like I think earlier I'd mentioned that I loved the secondary characters a lot, and one of the ones I loved the most too was Lucas Hedges' character. He plays Lady Bird's first love interest in the movie, and at first. It seems like they're going to be one of those couples who just last forever. They get along so well. But then it's revealed by accident later on that he actually is gay. He's still closeted. The movie kind of abruptly sees them break up. She, uh, Lady Bird kind of witnesses him making out with a guy in the bathroom. And so the romance just kind of ends after that with nothing more after that, really. But then there's a scene later on where he kind of tries to apologize to her in a way. But then it ends up with them meeting in an alleyway. And he totally breaks down in her arms and, like, starts sobbing about how scared he is about his sexuality and how, like, ashamed he is of it and totally cries. And, you know, for so much of the movie, Lady Bird's very upset about the whole relationship. It kind of wants to put it behind her, but she's really supportive of him in this moment. And, like, that that scene in general stuck out to me so much because early in the movie, Lady Bird complains to her mom about how she feels like nothing she does has an impact on anyone's lives. But then you see this scene and you know that, like, you can almost imagine the Hedges character later on, like, saying, maybe when he is, like, openly gay, um, about, like, how much he really appreciated how supportive she was back then and how accepting she was of him. I just kept thinking of that. I also, in terms of secondary characters, I know you really liked her performance, but I think Laurie Metcalf is so well-written as the mom. She's so good. She's so good because she's like the, kind of just a typical, like the passive-aggressive mom who like is trying to be like sensitive and caring, but she kind of just says the wrong thing over and over again and she doesn't mean to. Your point about the perspective of the movie being from Christine from Lady Bird's mm -hmm. side, I think is pretty valid here, you know, because there's not a lot that you get about what's happening in her life that's so stressful that makes mm -hmm. her mom so intense, you know? Yeah. You get like she's working hard, she has kind of a stressful job, and that there's some money problems, although those are never particularly touched upon. Mm -hmm. Maybe it has to do with the fact that there's 18 people living in their house. <laughs> but <laughs> you don't get as much perspective, which is which might make sense if you're a teenager. You're not so tuned into that stuff that's going on. Yeah. You know, that was something I was fairly critical about when I came out of this movie. I was like, you know, her mom was really intense and we only got a glimmer of why. Like there's, it's, it was kind of, it wasn't difficult to sympathize with her, but it was harder to, like if I, I felt like if I had some more time to see what's happening behind the scenes with her mom and her dad and why they're so stressed out and what all this is, it might've made me connect or feel more emotional about the movie. But on the whole, I, I think it is all about perspective. It's about the mm. angle the movie is totally about perspective. That, that issue from. Yeah, because, I mean, Lady Bird, for sure, is just probably thinks that her mom's just overdramatic and is really mean to her, whatever. Um, 
And yeah, we don't really get to see that in depth, but it is because the movie is just looking through Lady Bird's eyes. But I do like how, like, even though they have, like, a lot of pretty big fights, a lot of massive ones, like the classic, I don't even remember, like, what Lady Bird said in a lot of these fights. I know it's, like, along the lines of just, like, the classic, I hate you and I never want to speak to you again, like, those kinds of things. Such dramatic stuff. Just very dramatic, but... Even through those, you still have these touching scenes of... There's one sequence where she and her mom are, like, touring houses that are for sale in the California area that are really high class, and they both enjoy doing that kind of thing just because they can pretend like they can someday live in this dream home. They bond through that. At the beginning, they're on a road trip, and they both listen to The Grapes of Wrath, and they both are, like, sobbing afterwards. So you have these little glimpses of how their relationship is super, super close, even though it's not necessarily consistently obviously loving there is such a tenderness there and there's a line that is repeated a few times in one scene really it's not throughout the movie Mm -hmm. but the sentiment is at least which is lady bird asks both of her parents after they say oh i love you she says well you love me but do you like me Mm -hmm. which is i love that it is it's it's good it's like you can love somebody unconditionally but do you like them as a person do you like their personality most of the time Mm -hmm. that's a hard thing to grapple with at like a young age oh for sure the way I mean, Lady Bird can be so high-strung so much of the time that I could see them saying, like, you know, I don't like you that often. But you can tell the way she's with her parents now, as she matures and as she can gain some more perspective, you could see them getting closer and probably developing that same like and love sort of thing. Maybe at this time it's a little harder. Just like the fights that they're having as a family, but I don't know, it's just such a three-dimensional family dynamic that you see in the movie. I want to touch on a couple more things Mm -hmm. before we wrap up. We're getting close. One thing is I had a long discussion with a friend after watching the movie about who this movie is intended for. We came to this conclusion that, that this is a movie that we both think that teenagers should be seeing. There's very little reason for this film to be rated R. You know, there's language, right? There's some sex. It's not graphic at mm-hmm. any point in the movie. You know, this this movie is pretty real. It touches on a lot of really important issues. It shows a lot of real life. And I think teenagers would really, really agree with this movie. They'd feel it. They would. It would be emotionally impactful for them. So I think this might be an uncomfortable movie for a lot of teenagers to watch with their parents. So it, it kind of bums me out that it's rated R and that, you know, people who are as young as 16 can't really go and see it on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I can I know that 17 and 18 year olds can go see it on their own, but I don't know if this is the kind of movie that people that age want to go and see. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think this movie is really important for that demographic. That was really good. I think, yeah, I would love to know, because I mean, I'm obviously not a high school senior anymore, but <laughs> I would, I'm curious well, how I would have reacted to it if I was one, because I even know, like, I... I remember, like, my senior year, I watched the, like, the Nicole Holoff Center movie about, not about time, Enough Said, with Julie Louis-Dreyfus, and there's a scene at the end where she sends her daughter, she's, like, seeing her off to, like, the airport or something for college, because I was going to college at, like, the end of the summer or whatever, like, it made me weirdly emotional, because I was like, that's gonna be me soon saying bye to my parents like that, and so I would be curious to see how I would respond to this arc that Ladyburg has too. you know, seeing it parallel with my own and having that experience of finishing the school year and going to college. Like, how would that all seem to me? Because now I can just go like, oh, I remember that those feelings that she had, but I'm not directly feeling them at the exact same time. I mean, I don't know. I think it might be uncomfortable in patches to see with your parents, but honestly, parents just go ahead and take your teenage kids to it. It's good. (laughs) And I think even if you were like a 13 or 14 year old like you just entered high school this would be like a great sneak preview you know like you get a you get to look through the the lens of time and see wow this is like three years away from oh me oh god i feel like that would and, seem terrible well, i don't think it would seem terrible i think it would be i think 
you might walk away from it at that age and go, yeah, whatever, big movie, you trying to tell me what my <laughs> life is like. But you, then it would probably resonate with you later. You might want to yeah. go back and see it again. So mm-hmm. just for perspective, see it. So before we get into final thoughts, I have one more thing I want to say, just because oh. this is totally a female-centric movie mm-hmm. written by a woman, directed by a woman, and we're a couple of white dudes who do this podcast. So mm-hmm. I wanted to read a little bit of the review from our previous guest, Celia, who was on for a Gone Girl episode, because she wrote some thoughts about Lady Bird mm. after she read it. And I just want to read a paragraph from her review because I think it's it's pretty interesting. Because she starts the, the title of her review is Lady Bird, Thoughts from a Former 17-Year-Old Girl. She says, I've sat in my living room desperately trying to explain to my parents that I understood that I was wrong, that I didn't mean it. I stood next to my mother, praying to be acknowledged. I've wondered in my head and out loud that I know that my father loves me, but does he actually like me? I've thought to myself, terrified, what if this was the best I was going to get? How could that possibly be enough? When you're young, these problems seem to be on equal footing. In the movie, That Is Your Life, they deserve equal screen time. You don't see how they feed into one another, how deeply connected they are, how deeply connected they have to be. You don't understand how you are the common denominator in all of it. So it's pretty insightful. I think she had some really good thoughts on it. But I I wanted to lend like a little bit of a female perspective to our conversation. That's so true, what she says. So Blake, Mm -hmm. let's do some final thoughts. Um, Final thoughts. I think this is one of my favorite teen movies that I've seen. I think it is so much more, so much more of a slice of life than other movies of the genre. I like that it's dealt with in a very naturalistic way. You don't have this John Hughes romantic kind of lens. It is just very, very much in the moment, very real. If you like really enjoy those kinds of movies, this will be like a nice change from that. I also think it's just one of the best movies of the year. So, and also I'm a big Greta Gerwig fan. So if you're a fan of hers, you'll love this. But that's my final thought. That was not very coherent, but whatever. <laughs> it was just like a, a bunch of bullet points, really. There you go. Yeah, I think my final thought is that I like this movie I want young people to see it. I don't know if this is one of my favorite movies of the year. I did really enjoy seeing it, and I think this movie has the best dialogue that I've seen in a movie this year for sure. So I, I don't know if I'd watch it again right away, but I, I definitely I definitely think I, at least I learned something from this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am I'm excited to see whatever it is that Greta Gerwig does next because I think she has like a very, very bright future in, in writing and directing. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. And if you, I think in general, if people like this movie, go ahead and check out the movies that she's starred and directed in because totally. she doesn't star in this movie, but she's such a charming actress as well. She absolutely so. is. Yeah. So with that, let's do some recommendations. Great. Shall I speak? Should you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. So for my Greta Gerwig uh, recommendation, <gasps> I'm probably stealing one of yours. No. If you, Oh, no. Good. Okay. <laughs> so if you want to watch more Greta Gerwig stuff, you need to go see the movie that she wrote and starred in, but did not direct, which is Francis Ha. Woo. And that movie is fantastic. It's all so about, uh, it's all about. Greta Gerwig's character, her name is Frances, and she has this very close friend, and she goes to dance school, and some things happen, and her life gets kind of shaken up, and she has to make some decisions, and she really evolves as a character over the movie, and she takes like a day trip to France from New York, and does all these crazy things. It's all in black and white, which is an interesting stylistic choice. It almost it almost feels like they're trying to do Manhattan a little yeah. bit, which is fun. Yeah, yeah it's a fun <laughs> little jaunt into, into that genre. I think I enjoy Frances Hall a little more than Lady Bird, which might be heretical to you, yeah. but but Frances Haw is, is fun, and it's on mm. Netflix right now if you have that, so that's a good way to go see it. If you really like Saoirse Ronan, I think she's fantastic, so and I good. hope she's in more stuff. If you haven't seen it, you need to go see Brooklyn. Brooklyn is wonderful, a really, really good, another coming-of-age story, but from a different time period, and there's another whole perspective there that's pretty intense, some different national ideas of what it means to become a young person, young adult, instead of 
you know, a child. And then lastly, I'm gonna recommend a TV show, which is kind of breaking the norm. But oh, if you wow. wanna get more of this coming of age, high school story that's really from the heart and has a strong female lead who's the centric character, you need to go and see Freaks and Geeks because that's another really wonderful story. And you have a lot more time. Some of the things that I felt were weaker about Lady Bird, such as some of the character stuff, which it has it has its moments and it has its reasons. But if you want to really deep dive and like connect to a bunch of different characters, secondary characters, whatever, Freaks and Geeks has the time and the place to do that. So I think that one's also still on Netflix. Those are my recommendations. What do you got today? So I picked some of my favorite recent teen movies for my recommendations. So my first one is last year's The Edge of Seventeen, which came out pretty much the exact same time that Lady Bird came out. And this is similarly a coming-of-age movie for a very difficult young woman, and the young woman in this case is played by Haley Steinfeld. And it deals with a lot of the same themes, kind of this tense family dynamic, as well as some shifts in social circles and some hardships with romances and stuff. This I think that just needs a little bit more... It feels a lot more like a movie. It's structured a little bit more conventionally. It has the, the designated, like, high moments, low moments, whatever. But that one's really, really funny if you're looking for more of a comedy. Also, Steinfeld's performance is really, really great in this. She, like Ronan, was a really young Oscar nominee, and it really, I think, benefits her credibility as an actress. So check that out. I really enjoyed that one. Another one that I think most people have probably seen, I think by now it's pretty much considered to be a classic, is 2010's Easy A, which was the movie that made Emma Stone a star, pretty much. And that one involves a girl pretending that she lost her virginity, and because of that, she's kind of given this bad reputation at her school, and so she has to come to terms with that. And that one is, I would say, similar comedically to, like, Mean Girls. So check that out. That one's really intelligent and witty and has a great stone performance. And then for my last one, this is more of an unorthodox teen movie. It also stars Saoirse Ronan, and I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. It's called How I Live Now, and it involves a... She kind of plays like a goth girl almost. But anyway, she has to come of age amidst this dystopia future. I mean, it's not obviously not a comedy necessarily, but it features her again in a really interesting performance where she has to convey this teen angst amidst a lot of different dramas and low points. I'll recommend those three today. <laughs> All right. So if you want to hear more of us talking about movies, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Android, and on our website, uwpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at The Filmcast, and you can find us on our personal accounts at Hayden Walker or at Blake W. Peterson. If you want to write to us with a suggestion about a movie to watch, you can reach us at cinemadventurepodcast at gmail.com. If you like the show, please share it with a friend so we can get the word out. If you want to follow along with us, next Monday we're going to be talking about Russ Meyer's wild exploitation film, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Good getting to know you. drunk food is like in other places? My name is Dee Dee Madigan, host of the weekly podcast Home Plates, where I ask that question and many more. Each week, an international student joins me here in the studio to discuss their food culture. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday right here on the Soundbite Network.
For more like this and other great shows covering sports, science, relationships, and the arts, visit the Soundbites website, uwpodcast.com. That's uwpodcast.com.